So hello there, everybody, and welcome to a special introduction for this episode, because you're probably already aware, this is the 200th episode of the Fat Guy Forum. 200, which kind of blows my mind and has been anxiety-driven for me the past <laughs> couple of weeks as I'm like, the 200th episode is coming. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I am so excited that this episode has coincided with a very special discussion that I'll tell you more about in a minute. And, you know, I, I'm just really excited for that. But first, let, let's talk about a couple of things about the show. Like, honestly, I did not know that I would get to 200 episodes. But I knew I would get somewhere. Because once you get something started, you know, continuing to keep it going. How many times do we talk about consistency on this show? Like, not just consistency in the areas of weight loss or health or fitness or any of those things, but in everything that you put passion into. And it just amazes me to think back to what it was like when I kept recording the first episode and deleting it and recording it and deleting it. And rec like, I literally did that. You've, you've probably heard me talk about it already on the show, but I did that for a year. I had the artwork, the hosting, everything for this show set up um, in 2018. And it was not until 2019 that I finally got the show launched. And it actually came about because discussions with friends. Um, one friend particularly who's been on the show several times, Miles, a.k.a. Telecron, you know, would constantly say, just do it, just do it, just do it. And he pointed me in the direction of an interview done by Matt Matt Vincent on his own podcast where he he made the point um, and Matt was actually on this show, which was an incredible moment for me, you know, having been someone that really admired his work for a long time. But he made the point that how do you get to episode 100 of a podcast? You you do 100 episodes. So how did we get to 200? We did 200 episodes. And you don't <laughs> if you go back into those early days Yes, um, I'm not proud of some of the tech side of it, and but the discussions were all have all been amazing. Um, if you followed along with Instagram, I've been talking about trivia for the show, so I want to talk a little bit about um, some of the facts about the show and share some of that with you. First of all, I want to talk about the fact that since this show has started. There have been 175 guests as of today on the show. 175 unique guests. That's not counting return visits. So I am just, you know, overwhelmed that 175 dudes have chosen to share their stories with me, be a part of this experience, and allow us all to kind of get into their lives and their struggles and learn from them. And so incredibly appreciative for each and every guest. And for a minute, I was like, let me, let, I'm going to shout at every guest that's ever been on the show. And then I realized that that would be a four-hour episode of me saying names. So just know that if you have been a guest on the show, you mean a lot to me, and, and I really appreciate it. And if you're someone out there who hasn't been on in a while and you want to come back, hit me up. You know, I'm always excited to bring people back. The guest, you know, <laughs> So amongst those guests, several people have made return visits to the show. I do want to shout out the person who has been on the most times. And there were several that are close, you know, several close. 
But with seven visits to the show, John Arpino, a.k.a. J.R.P.'s Journey on Instagram, is the most visited guest on the show. He's come back for roundtable discussions, one-on-one talks, the old Fantastic Four episodes, if you're, if you're old school and remember those. So he has been around seven times. Poro and, and Anthony, very close, very close in the number of visits, but, but John took the top. Solo episodes with me, there have been 13 times that I've been solo. Most of them planned, and sometimes you have some tech issues with guests or people drop out or things along those lines, and I would jump in and do a solo episode. So 13 times solo episodes. I think that's awesome. In total, if you were to listen to every episode back-to-back, it would take you almost 10 days to listen to the entire catalog of this show. There are 13,862 minutes of content, not counting today's episode. That translates to 231 hours and a few minutes. So that's almost 10 days. That, that statistic blew me away. And the last kind of statistic I want to talk about that I find really exciting is according to Podbean, which is where I host the, the podcast, as of today, there have been 294,900 unique downloads of the show. 294,900. So <laughs> not only does that mean very soon I'll be able to say 300,000 unique downloads have happened for this show, but that just blows my mind to think that that many people, even if you know there's a ton of you who have listened to every episode, that still just blows me away, the number of people that the show has reached, and I hope that you have gotten as much out of it as, as I have doing it. It's just really been one of the highlights of the past four years of my life. And we are coming up on the fourth anniversary this July, which will be another big deal. And that also makes me think, what am I going to do for the fourth anniversary? So we'll, we'll give it some thought. I'll throw some ideas out there. And if you want to be a part of putting together some of those ideas, join the Patreon for the show. I am so appreciative for the Patreon members of this show. They literally help keep it going. You know, I'll be 100% honest. Financially, it's not been a great few years for me personally, but the show has been able to continue because the Patreons are there providing their support that allows me to keep everything going, you know, that I need to to keep this show happening. So I just really appreciate that. And in fact, I for a while, I've been wanting to shout them out individually. So we're going to do that today. So let me say a huge appreciative thank you to every Patreon that is currently, you know, there have been some people that have come and go, and that's fine because I've done that myself on Patreon. You help a creator when you can. If you can't, that's fantastic. You know, we all got to do what we got to do. But right now, there are 18 people in the Patreon. I would love to have you on board, but right now I am hugely appreciative for Josh, Willie, Chad, Joe, Mile High David, that's what we're going to call him, <laughs> Down Tempo, Joan, Raymond, Jamie, Jess, Big D, Shill, Dustin, Miles, Claire, Liz Marie, Poro, and Keto D, Alex and, and David, but you know them by different names when they've been on the show. All of you, 
thank you so much for being a part of the Patreon. I truly appreciate you. And I know this introduction is rambling. It's been going on for a long time. There's a few more things I do want to bring up, though, before I get into today's interview. First, if you've considered the Patreon but realize that's not something that you can be a part of or can financially afford right now and you want to share and support the show, share it. Tell your friends about it. Share the episodes on your social media. I would really appreciate that. Um, if you're someone that shops for things like salt and broth, bone broth, and the different products that I have affiliate codes for, they're all in the show notes of every episode. So you're not really necessarily having to go out of your way to donate like with Patreon, but you get yourself a discount on a product that you're using anyway, or you might be interested in, and I get some kickback to support the show. So check those out if you feel like Patreon is not something that's for you. Completely okay. And how many times am I going to say that? I'm rambling now. I understand. I understand. So let's talk about this 200th episode, who we have coming up next. Our guest today, I am so excited to have him on the show because for the first time, you know, I talk all the time about my coaching on the show. This is the first time that I'm having one of my clients on the show. And don't worry, it's really not an infomercial episode, and I did my best to avoid those kind of questions. But we dive into Seth's journey, and Seth has really been on, been on one heck of a journey when it comes to not only some things that he's accomplished, not just with weight loss, but with other challenges in his life, but also with his health and some scares he's been through. And there really is just a lot to take away from what he shares with us in today's episode. So I am so excited to bring Seth forward on this show. It has been a, a goal of his since he and I first spoke to get on the show and I really feel like it is time. So with that, I'm going to let you get into today's episode. Again, remember people, I think you're all amazing and I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for coming along on this journey of 200 episodes. And here is to the next 200. Now, onto the show. Okay, everybody. So now we're getting into the meat of the 200th episode. No pun intended. As you heard in the introduction... Uh, the guest I have on this week's episode is actually my first client to come on the show. Not my first client client, but my first client who's actually coming on the show to talk about his story. And I am really excited for y'all to meet him and get to hear about his journey. And it goes way beyond what he and I have done together. So I'm just excited to even hear more myself and also for you to hear, you know, all the exciting things that I have been able to experience him doing. So his name is Seth Howard. Seth, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm glad to, man. Like it, you know, we've been talking about this for a while as as a as a goal and as something for you to do. And you know, we hit a point. You know, I'm not going to fast forward for people, but we hit an, <laughs> we you, you hit an accomplishment that I was like, okay, I feel like it's time for us to talk about it. Um, <laughs> so here we are, and I, I'm excited that it's a a milestone episode for the show because, um, you know, I just, I just feel like there's, there's a lot in your story that's going to be helpful for people, man. So let's, let's not keep them from you anymore. Let, let's get into it. You, you listen to the show, so you know, this is coming, but <laughs> Seth, tell us what qualifies you to be on the fat guy forum. Uh, well, <laughs> um, my, my heaviest, I was in the 430s. I don't really know exactly what my heaviest weight was. Um, and I 
I struggled with weight all of my life. So I think that, uh, I think that qualifies me. No, for sure. And, and so when did you first become aware, you know, of struggles with your weight? Did you grow up, you know, how young were you noticing it? Like, what was it like growing up for you? Um, everyone in my family is big. Um, like all of my, my extended family, I have a funny story about, uh, about that, that we might get to later, but <laughs> about a, uh, for example, of how my family's big. Um, but I, I was, um, I'd say early elementary school, I think by, by fourth or fifth grade, I was, um, having, <laughs> I, I was, I was faking, had an asthma attack so I could get out of going to PE every day. I had, I had PE at the end of the day. And, um, I, I think, I think my parents were on to me because I rode my bike to school and I would, I would fake an asthma attack and they're like, all right, just ride your bike home. <laughs> so. I think, I think they were on to me. Like they knew that I, it wasn't really an asthma attack. I just didn't, I just hated PE. I just hated, and, and I knew I just didn't fit in. I couldn't, you know, field day was miserable for me. So, I mean, third, third grade, fourth grade. I mean, I was, I was really, I, I was really, um, I was very, I was aware pretty early that I, I was bigger than everybody else and that I didn't feel good, you know, being being physically active and did you make attempts to lose weight as a kid like uh you know i've talked to a couple different guests you know and shared my own experiences you know i i remember i did weight watchers at 10 like were you a young dieter or was it just more i kind of um i was around dieting my my mom dieted my my dad never really did much dieting um but mom did Weight Watchers, and so at different times through middle school, particularly, I would try and like I never I never signed up and went and weighed in or anything like that. But I would sort of like do do what mom was doing with with Weight Watchers as she did it, you know. And I think that started even like even like fifth grade, even like I I, I don't I, I I don't know exactly, but it was I was pretty young. It was well before I was driving well before driving that I was, I, I knew about Weight Watchers and, and, uh, you know, uh, eating fruit and, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. And I, and I tried, uh, but I was never, I was never ter terribly successful. And I don't think I wasn't as miserably, uh, unhealthy as a kid because I was still growing and I was still active. Um, but it was really just more, uh, it was just more insecurity, like with my body and just, uh, just being unhappy, just, just being unhappy with my body and not really liking uh, the way I looked it, just at a, at a very, very early age. No, understood. And, and I will say that that is one of the, the, the good things, you know, about Weight Watchers back in the day, I'm sure it's, it's similar now too, is they weren't letting um, eight, nine, ten year olds come to meetings. Um, like, you know, I like I like I've shared before in the show. Like I, I was ten years old when my aunt, the queen of Weight Watchers, um, set up the plan for me. But she was like, "We can't go to the meetings because you're too young, and they won't they won't let you do it." And there was a part of me that in my head said, "Well, if if the program." If they can't take on the liability of me being there, should I be doing this program? Like, is this, right? Yeah, but you know, 
that's neither here nor there, you know, at this, at this point, but right. you know, where did, where did things kind of go for you from there? Like going through high school, coming out of high school, like what was, what was well, life like for Seth? I think, so there was, you know, there, there's a, a disordered relationship with food from, from early on, uh, food, like I'm definitely an emotional eater. And I think that that's a, I think that's a learned behavior. I think everyone in my family, um, is a, is a, an emotional eater, you know, eat when you're happy, eat when you're sad, eat when you're mad, eat to celebrate, eat to comfort, eat for, eat for all occasions. Uh, and, and, and also, um, now I, I realize that I've got a pretty addictive personality. Um, I, I'm very thankful that I, I just wasn't exposed to drugs or alcohol at the wrong time because I, I, I have no doubts that if, 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 uh, something else to numb the pain and disappointment of fill in the blank had come along that I, I could very easily see me, you know, ha having had a, a drastically different life. Um, my, my drug of choice has al always been food and, uh, that's, that started early. I think through, even though I did try to eat, like I, I, I mentioned, you know, copying my mother doing Weight Watchers off and on um, there for the most part, I just kind of unashamedly ate pretty huge portions, you know, starting, starting a pretty young age um, all the way through, all the way through high school. I was trying to lose weight. I feel like I've been trying to lose weight all my life. I mean, honestly, like, I just feel like I've always been trying to lose weight and, and always, uh, working out off and on, like lifting weights, walking, biking, swimming, you know, trying to, trying to exercise to lose weight and not being successful and then getting frustrated. And then I would quit for a while and then I would gain some weight and then I would, tr I would, I would try again. And that cycle started for me in high school and it just kept going un until until present day. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I feel like that I'm just, uh, like a, that's, I, I, I still feel like I'm, I'm fighting the same fights, you know, to be honest. No, for sure. And, and we'll get into that when we get into present day and yeah, you didn't, you, you weren't 400 pounds in sixth grade, you know, seventh grade. That is it, true. So when, when did you see that? Like, when, when did you reach your heaviest weight? Like, at what point in your life? Like, what was going on for you? So, I probably stayed right around... I was probably right around 300 after, after high school. Like, right... I probably graduated high school. I think I was right around 280 at whenever I graduated high school. So, I went to college and pretty quickly put on, you know, 20, 30 pounds in college. Like man, the, the dining hall in college, I, I remember going in there for breakfast and, and, you know, whoa, man, breakfast was my favorite meal. And I, I really, I, I, I turned heads whenever I, whenever I got my, my, my tray of, of breakfast, but, uh, I stayed under 350, um, just bouncing up and down between 300 and 350 for most of college. Um, I think I was around 320 pounds when I got married. I was 21 when I got married. And, I, um, so whenever I started 
teach, I'm a teacher. And whenever I started my career, I was, you know, bouncing right around 350, you know, um, and then uh, in uh, 2015, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. Um, I think if I remember correctly, he was di- I found out about it in July and, and he was gone in August. So it was like, it, it, it really like was just a shock. Like we, I, I had no, I had no, you know, I just, it, there's, there's no way to prepare for something like that. And, um, he struggled with his weight and his health and, I felt a lot of a lot of the time like I was trying to I don't know like I didn't want to end up like him struggling with my weight he was a smoker and he died from lung cancer and I've never smoked because he smoked you know like I'll I'll never do that Um, but I think I spent a lot of my life worrying that I was going to um, end up like him in the overweight unhealthy part and then after he after he passed away, um, just the process of grieving, um, uh, I I I went from the three fifties very very quickly uh, into the four thirties. Like I said, I don't really know how how big I got. I, I know I know that my heaviest recorded weight was four twenty seven at my cardiologist and. I am reasonably sure I had lost some weight by the time I, by the time I got there. So I, I, I feel pretty comfortable saying I was in the four thirties. And I think grief driving weight gain is something that a lot of people listening can, can relate to, especially when food is already an issue in your life. You know, when you already have that when you have that relationship with food already, where, where food is your coping mechanism, where food is, the emotional relief, like even, and, and it's funny because I think someone could listen to what you just said and say, well, he said he didn't want to end up, you know, get, you know, end up in the, the same health status as his dad, but his dad passed away and he put on weight yeah. and there's this, this sense of, well, how does that, how does that all add up? And at the end of the day, like when that is your relationship with food, it adds up, you know? It, well, it, and I can tell of, you there was, it was pretty uh, emotionally like damaging to me that self-fulfilling prophecy there. Like, I don't want to end up like, I don't want to end up, you know, I I don't want the, the, the fire department to have to come put me back in my chair, you know, like, I I don't want to be, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be so, I don't want to be so big that I'm not able to move myself and, and feeling at the same time, like completely trapped and completely helpless. And, and the whole time that I was, that I was getting up there, I would, you know, I'd lose 30 pounds and then gain and then gain back 40 and then lose back 30 and then gain 40. You know, that, that's how I, that's how I got there. Um, I was trying to lose weight. I was actively dieting, actively exercising from, from the time, from the time uh, we, we lost dad up until, I was in the four thirties. I was actively trying to lose weight the entire time, desperately trying everything I knew. And and it just, it just, I, I, I was never able to be consistent long enough for anything to work. Um, beyond like, you know, a month or two. Right. 
which is uh, another thing I think a lot of listeners can relate to. And a lot of guys on the show can relate to, you know, it's, it's, and I think there's this perception when you're a bigger, you know, people on the outside, when they see someone who is, who's overweight, you know, that either for some, well, for some reason, there's this prevailing notion that the person has no conception of their size and the impact on their life and all of those things, you know, and they think, you know, they can walk up to you and tell you and all you're going to have an epiphany. Like, Oh, I, Oh my God, I didn't know. Like I, I was wondering why all of this was challenging for me. Thank you so much. But I think also there's this perception that you don't care. So they don't understand what the reality is like, you know, the reality is, you know, often a person is trying to work on, you know, in, and, and this is something, you know, I know you and I have talked about a lot over time, you know, there's the focus on weight that if we focus too much just on trying to change weight, we miss out focusing on the things that are driving the weight issues in the first place. And no one ever sits us down and explains that to us. You know, no one ever says, even if you walk into a Weight Watchers meeting, you know, they're, they're not going to that first day give you a long lecture on working on, you know, food is a coping mechanism for you. Here's how to work on that. You know, they're going to get into what are your points and this is what you weigh now. And this is where your goal will be and come to the meetings and, you know, a great thing. And I'm not trying to dog weight watchers. I just use it, use it as an example. Like I think it's there with everything. Um, but there's so much more to losing weight than just going on a diet. And so from the outside, people think you're not doing anything, but really that person can feel like they're trying to climb up, you know, they're climbing the, the the largest rock wall they've ever seen. Yeah, you know, and, and you I get, was just, you get up a little bit and you slip. No, go ahead. I, I was just I was just so depressed. I was just so depressed, and, and and just I had such a hopeless, defeated attitude. Um, and and I was, I don't know. I, I, it was really, it was a very, very, very dark time. I was very angry. Um, and I just, you know, I, I just. It was, it was, it was pretty brutal. Uh, it was, it was just pretty brutal. And I, and I wasn't, uh, I don't know. I, I, I did the best I could, you know, and I, I'm, I'm just, I'm thankful. I, I'm, I'm thankful that I, that I got out of it. I, you know, I, I'm just thankful that, uh, I'm thankful that I made it through that period. Cause it was really tough. And I will say this one thing about grief that I, that I believe, uh, I, I so it, I actually have a beard story. My dad had a beautiful, beautiful Santa Claus beard down on his chest, beautiful curls, just like gorgeous, gorgeous beard. And uh, that was like a big part of his personality, you know, like particularly later in his life, because all the all the kids he saw thought he was Santa Claus. And he was because he's a big, you know, he's a big, you know, 450 pound guy with a huge beard, you know, it, and he was very, he's very friendly and would laugh, you know, and uh, just had a great sense of humor. And uh, anyway, he got diagnosed before I even got to him. They had already shaved his beard off, like getting ready to start treatments and everything. So that like shocked me. Like I hear dad is sick. I go see him. Boom. Beard is gone. And so it, it did something in my head um and i was not able to trim my beard at all i couldn't i couldn't come near my beard with scissors or clippers or anything for uh, at least two years maybe three years 
So I had like a, I had like a horrible, like neck beard that was like way down my chest. My beard was way down my chest. I had this huge beard and I was constantly having to like keep all sorts of product in it to keep it tame because I couldn't trim it because I was terrified. And I thought, I thought I'm going to keep my beard until I'm finished grieving. And then two or three years in it clicked. I'm never going to stop feeling this way. Like I'm always going to feel, I'm always going to feel the same pain is never going to go away. But what has happened is I, I compare that to like putting on a, a, a backpack with weights in it and the weights don't get lighter, but you do get stronger. And that, that is the only explanation I have for why I survived is carrying that grief made me stronger. Um, that's, that's all, that's the only, that's the only thing I can say. Like, and whenever, whenever it clicked, oh, I'm always going to miss my dad. Oh, I'm always going to be sad about this. This is never going to get better. Then I trimmed my beard. And, and shortly after that was whenever I, uh, I, I also got involved with, uh, got involved with karate. <laughs> Which one, I, I do want to kind of put a bullet point on that, you know, I, I think that's a, an excellent way to describe grief. Like, you know, I think that's something that most people that have gone through a significant experience would relate to, you know, it's, and I, and I think people that haven't sometimes can think, well, when are you going to stop feeling this way? And it's like, well, like you said, that those feelings don't go away. They don't change. And, you know, you go through those experiences where when you're not feeling it as intensely in the moment, then there's almost a guilt over it. And, you know, it's a very complicated thing to come through, but I, I think being able to state, you know, that going through it is one of the things that made you stronger is, is, is a fantastic reflection on that. And that's, that's my only, yeah. ex, that's my only explanation for why I've survived, you know, like it's, it's a burden that you carry, but that burden doesn't crush you. It, it, you, you just get stronger and you can carry it. And you know, it's, it's not any less, it's not any less. It's still, it's still just as hard, but you can just, you can carry it. You know, I, I, that's, that's my own, that's my experience. Um, and, and that has, that was a defining moment in my life. Uh, I, I mean, you know, a hundred percent was, I'm sure. And so where did things go for you from there? You know, getting, getting up into the four thirties. So I, well, I, so I work with, uh, I work with a, a friend who um, owns a karate school and uh, he was encouraging me to, to, you know, come, come work out, come try some things. And my, my dad, this was, you know, I'd, I, he'd, I'd lost him for, I think it was, his, this was 20, around 2017, whenever I was at my heaviest, um, because I lost dad in 2015. So around 2017 is probably when I'm at my heaviest. And that's whenever I I first walked into the karate school. And I I walked in because I needed to borrow a, uh, a crash mat that they use for uh, practicing throwing people in, in judo. You know, like they got to slam you on the floor so they have this nice thick mat. And uh, I teach theater and I was doing... I was doing a play and I was going to have someone lifted in the air. We, we have a, 
we have a, a rigging system in our school, so I was going to fly somebody. And I just, for my own mental well-being, I like I had all the safety stuff in, in place, but I wanted that crash mat. And I, I, wanted, I wanted absolutely positively no possible way that anybody could get hurt. So I had a crash mat and I borrowed it from the karate school. Well, that got me in the door of the karate school. And when I was a, like very young, my dad would tell stories about taking judo when he was in trade school. And I actually have seen um, little old Polaroid pictures of my dad wearing the, the judo pajamas, you know, like they're all blurry and he's like in motion and everything, but he's like flipping somebody or he's being flipped, you know, that kind of thing. And so I had just had this light bulb moment about grief and trimmed my beard. And uh, I was like, I felt a connection with, with my dad in the karate school because of those memories. And uh, I was like, yeah, you know, I think I will, I think I will try it. Um, so I tried, I, I signed up for kickboxing and uh, it was, it was pretty tough. Um, it was pretty tough. I've never done anything athletic uh, outside of marching band in my life. I mean, okay, I've tried to lift weights. I've always been pretty strong because I've always been big. You know, I've like, you know, helped pick cars up uh, out of the ditch and push them back on the road, that kind of thing. Like I've, I've done some things that make that, that demonstrate uh, I've got a, I'm pretty strong, you know, um, and, and tried, tried lifting weights, but I didn't know what I was doing and I was never consistent. Absolutely never consistent beyond more than a month. Uh, just was never consistent. And so the biggest thing that, that happened with the karate school was um, I, I found a community. I found a tribe. Uh, I found people that like came alongside me and encouraged me. And I was so afraid of anyone saying anything remotely like I didn't belong there. You know, I was so hypersensitive to anyone suggesting that I, I shouldn't be there, but no one ever said anything other than encouraging and, and like complimented me and praised me for, and I was still depressed. I was still so depressed. And at, at that time I was, I mean, I, I had gotten so big, it's embarrassing to say, but I was like pulling cramps, trying to clean myself after going to the bathroom, you know, like that's, that's how big I was. Like I, I, I was, I was, I was in, I was in pain and, and I was, you know, it was hard to put shoes on. It's hard to put clothes on. It's hard to, it's hard to walk. It's hard to function. And, uh, it's just, um, everybody, everybody at the karate school was really, um, uplifting and encouraging. And, and, uh, so I got, I got started with kickboxing and after kickboxing, I would walk past the adult karate class. And uh, they're like, hey, you need to come check out karate and you can learn how to actually do the punches. You can learn the correct way to do all of the things that you're doing in kickboxing. Because kickboxing is more of a workout. It's not really a, it's not a technique class. It's not, it's not here's how you accurate, accurately throw a jab cross. It's just, you know, punch with your right, punch with your left and get as many reps in as you can and that kind of thing. So I was curious about karate. 
so um, I signed up for karate and right off first the first roadblock um, I, there was no gi big enough for me um, uh, there was just by far there was no the largest size gi uh, would not have fit around like it wouldn't I couldn't get it past my knees and that was just devastating so I'm going into class and I'm having to wear sweatpants and a t-shirt and everybody else has got on a uniform and that was that was really really hard um, fortunately everybody still was was encouraging and like hey man there's there's no other 430 pound guys out there doing karate you, you keep doing what you're doing you're awesome and just you know encouraging me my wife, um, we bought two karate gis and she sewed them together. She literally cut them apart and, and sewed them together to make me my first uniform. Um, and uh, I, I'm so thankful that I got pictures um, of, of me in my first uniform because they have been very important to me. Um, in, in the past, like in, in recent months, those, those early pictures have been really important. But, uh, so I started, I, I started karate around 2017. And so kickboxing karate come into your life where, you know, the, 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 the silly question is, you know, where do things go next? But I know one of the things that you talked about was seeing your weight on the scale at your cardiologist. Yeah. So where, where does that fit in to so, where you're at now? Well, we, we could, I, I could, I could tell I had open heart surgery as a, as a child. We could, we could talk a long time about my cardiology history, but, um, so I had open heart surgery as an infant. Um, I, I had to have a pacemaker in, in 2013. And at that time, whenever they gave me the pacemaker, they started having some serious, hey, look, you got to lose weight or you're going to die conversations. And then they proceeded to watch me go from a, a less than 350 to into the, you know, I, I put on easily 100 pounds after the pacemaker. And, and they're like, okay, look, you've got to do something or you're going to die. So karate and still dieting the way I was doing, which was, um, you know, diet as hard as I can for a month and, and then get frustrated and quit. I was able to lose 50 pounds uh, with, uh, with the activity um, and, you know, probably, probably a little bit of a, a depression lift from, from the activity, like helped me not be quite as depressed. And I, I lost 50 pounds. Um, and and got under 400 pounds um just like dieting on my own and 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 doing doing karate uh the problem was that i uh, i would get frustrated and i would quit um i would i would work really hard i stayed consistent with karate but my nutrition was just all over the place uh, i i just and i could not i'm still an emotional eater like today to this day, I'm still an emotional leader. Um, and during that time, one of the cardiologists that I was working with recommended a diet to me that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna mention the the name of the of the program because it might I'm sure it will work well for somebody. But for me, 
uh, it, it was kind of catastrophic, but it, it advocated for a, it, it was a, a low carb style eating plan that advocated for a cheat day. Um, and it kind of was like a later stage of an Atkins kind of a thing where you can have beans and, you know, you can have carbs, but it's just a very low, it's lower carb. Um, and, and then high protein. I never paid any attention to fat because I just didn't, I, I, I was, I was ignorant. Uh, and then a cheat day. Well, the cheat day turned into a full on binge eating disorder for me. And after I, so I, I lost 50 pounds. I got below 400, but then I was like between 380 and 410 for years after that. Like I was, it was, just, I was just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I'd, I'd lose it, gain it, lose it, gain it, lose it, gain it. Um, got COVID in 2020 and that caused some heart issues. Uh, and I, I mean, I was, I was 395 pounds, you know, with COVID and, uh, a lot of people, a lot of people in that, in that shape didn't, didn't make it, you know? So there again, I'm, I'm just thankful that, uh, I'm just thankful. Um, but, uh, that, uh, that prompted my wife, uh, and, well, a, a lot of it was my wife. I, 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 I thought that I was doing, I thought I was, I thought I was doing things better than I was. <laughs> I was, my, my head was just so twisted. Um, I didn't really know what my wife wanted and like everything was just kind of, everything was just a little warped, but anyway, she stayed with me. We, we sold our house. I had been commuting an hour to work for, uh, like 17 years by this point. And, and, you know, all the fast food on the way home from work. And, you know, it's just, it's really hard after a bad day of work to drive past all of the, every fast food restaurant you can name to drive past them all twice is really difficult. Um, so, uh, that's where in uh, 2021, I started looking for some help with my nutrition. And that's where I, I had been listening to uh, this, this guy uh, on a, a podcast called the Fat Guy Forum for all of, all of 2020. Uh, whenever, I was, uh, whenever I was doing my, <laughs> my on-again, off-again, low-carb-ish diet, um, I would listen to the I would listen to the fat guy forum and I would I would hear all these inspiring stories and then I would get really frustrated because I wasn't having success. And so then I'd be like, "Well, I can't listen to this anymore." And I would I would quit listening to the podcast. And then I would start working again and I'd go back and and listen to the podcast again and there th there's a lot of there's a lot of shared wisdom that I've that I've gleaned over the years from from listening to your show that have helped me. Um, and, and, you know, kind of reprogramming my, particularly reprogramming my mindset regarding, you know, food and, and, um, reframing. I think one of the biggest things that I picked up for one of your episodes, um, was I don't like how that makes me feel. Um, I, I don't remember where I, where that came, like where on your show that came from, but I was listening to your show and it was, 
you were talking with one of your with one of your guests and it was like uh you know you you look at all of these foods like pizza and ice cream and beer and all this kind of stuff and it's like i still like that food but i don't like how that makes me feel that was really that's one like for example like light bulb little thing that stuck with me so i had been listening to your show and i I had this heart attack scare. So I, I told my, my wife said, you got to do something. And I said, well, let me try, let me try this guy. And, uh, so I reached out and, uh, you, and, and, uh, became one of your, uh, became one of your clients. Mm-hmm. And that was March early, you know, early, late February, early March of 2021. And what, you know, and this is the part where I don't want this to be like, okay, now the rest of the show is a commercial. Um, right. You know, right, it's, not right. A, it's not an infomercial at all. Um, but what what do you think it was the deciding factor for you that you realized getting outside help was going to be the thing, one of the things that you needed or you thought might be what you needed? Well, um, karate. Uh, I, I had never done anything remotely successful physically with my body as far as like physical training and uh having having support system with with working out made a huge difference like when i started when i started with there's a lot of a lot of uh you can't you can't out train a bad diet and and i i can concur because i tried for several years um when i started training with karate you know i couldn't kick higher than my own knee um, and, and eventually I was able to get where I, now I can kick somebody in the face who's, a, who's six, one, if they stand very still, I, <laughs> you know, like I can, I can get my foot all the way up there. I couldn't jump. And now I can, I can get both feet off the floor at the same time. And, and that success from having someone, you know, work with me made me say, well, maybe I need to, maybe I just need some maybe I need some coaching with my nutrition. And, and I wanted, I wanted your brand of coaching because I had been listening to, I had been listening to the advice that you were giving and the, your opinions that you were sharing on your show. And I just, I, I liked, I liked your, um, I liked your, I liked your style. So I thought I'd, I, I wanted to give you a try. Um, and you know, you knew that I was, primarily working with people on ketogenic nutrition. Had you been trying keto? Like what was your relationship with? I had done Atkins um, years before and uh, everything I had been doing was an Atkins like thing with a horrible binge day. And, and that was one of the first things that, that you, that you, well, there were, there were two things right away that you helped me clean up. One was, my protein intake was like four times higher than it should have been. Like my protein intake was just sky high. Uh, I didn't know. I didn't understand fat. I didn't understand the important, like the purpose of eating fat. Um, and the other thing was that whenever I did those binge days, which it wasn't a cheat meal, it wasn't a cheat day. It was a binge day. Like it was just a full on disgusting, really disgusting uh, binge. But I wasn't getting back into ketosis until like Thursday or Friday. And then I was doing the damage all over again on Saturday. So it's really no wonder 
that I was not being successful. And I was working so hard. I was working so hard. Monday, like Sunday through Friday, I was working so hard. I was being so strict, you know? And then I was just throwing every bit away by what I was eating on Saturday. I was, I was, and it just, I don't know. Um, And this is where the interview gets a little bit unfair because most of the guests, I don't know what comes next in their story. Um, (laughs) With you, I know what comes next. Um, And I will say there's probably some people listening who were like hearing you talk about your protein being too high and thinking, you know, did I try to make you eat low protein? That's not at all what it was. It was you were eating a ton of protein, a ton of carbs and not, you know, a whole lot of fat. Like, yeah, um, you know, there was there were things we needed to get in line. But I want to know if I have permission to talk about some of the things that happened when we first started talking together. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Because I think this is. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I because I've shared this before, I think even on the show without connecting it to your name. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but yeah, you, you have permission. <laughs> Seth, one of the first things that Seth said to me when we started talking about the idea of, of tracking food and paying attention to food was, I will not ever own a kitchen scale and I will not ever <laughs> use a kitchen scale. And I said, okay, well, we'll, we'll work on that. Yeah, and, and and he was adamant. Like it was, he was. I cannot figure it out. I'm not ever going to be able to figure it out. So I said, so of course, being the the coach that wants to be supportive, but also allow a person, you know, to to take their rope and go as far as they feel like they need to. I said, okay, well then, how are you know? Here's a set of macros. How are we going to do this? And I, and of course, in the back of my head, is like, he's going to realize very quickly he needs a kitchen scale. And he came back to me and he said, okay. So I've got it set up. I'm going to buy this. I'm going to buy ground beef and bri- one pound bricks. <laughs> I have eggs and I can buy a salad in a bag. And that exactly, you know, this is what exactly, e- e- you know. Oh, and also there was a stick of butter involved. Yeah. This is yeah. exactly what I'm going to eat. <laughs> now, what you all have to understand is Seth also mentioned that he was in the process of moving. So one of the things that he also said to me was, I'm not going to have access to a stove for several months. And I said, okay, how are you going to cook your food? And he said, the microwave. And I said, <laughs> okay. And, and I bring this up, not at all to mock you, Seth, or, or yeah. what I, yeah. I bring this up to say is like, people listen to what you, you know, the challenges that you faced and how hard you were trying on different plans and things along those lines and realize that, you were all in like you were, you were microwaving ground beef. You were microwaving eggs. You were, you know, and it was funny. Like when we would, we would make macro adjustments, Seth would say, perfect. I'm going to take two eggs out. (laughs) And I was, and honestly, like, you know, this is probably something we've, we're talking about for the first time. There was a part of me that was like, he has to realize he needs a kitchen scale. Like, (laughs) and I would say it every so often, like, you know, eventually, you're gonna, it an egg isn't gonna be the perfect thing to do. And I remember you, you saying that. Oh yeah, like, like you know, like you know, we. That okay, but eventually, eventually there are easier ways to do that. Well, that was the thing is like I was because I was putting myself in Seth's shoes, like thinking about my relationship with variety when it comes to food and all of those things, and 
you know, I meal prep things for a week and three days in, I'm like, oh God, I can't, I don't think I can eat that ever again in my life now at this point, because I ate it three days in a row. And Seth was eating the same exact food every day, cooked in a microwave, either cooked in the microwave at home or cooked in the microwave at school. Like, and there were, I mean, there were points in your journey, you know, where you were, you were bouncing around where you were living, getting ready to get into your house. And you're like, I can't use the microwave at their house. So I'm just going to cook it all at school. Like, you know, there was commitment there. So when, you know, and I, and I think that reflects too in you being someone that was gravitated, you know, that gravitated towards karate and the martial arts, like discipline is a big thing. And I think also, you know, and this is something I think we'll get into as we're talking, like one of the big things that sometimes we don't realize is that we can take disciplines we learn in one area and apply it to other areas of our life. We can learn skills and then cross-pollinate those skills, where sometimes as humans, we're really good at compartmentalizing. Like someone can be really great at karate, but have zero discipline in another area or be really good at the, you know, it's one of the things that's amazing when people are like, you know, you'll see stories or television shows or podcasts where someone is like, like I had, I've had, you know, I think for example, like Anthony Lolly, who was on this podcast, incredibly smart businessman, incredibly successful businessman, but couldn't get his weight under control. And people look at that and they're like, well, how can you be so disciplined in one area and not in another? And that's what we do as human beings. We compartmentalize things and we're great at it. So long story short, you know, I from day one saw Seth's commitment and, and willingness to, to, to commit. Then there was that part of me that was like, I want to make his life a little bit easier. And I want him to realize that a kitchen scale doesn't bite. And it's not as confusing as it sounds. And it is possible, you know, and here I'm sitting here, you know, being like, he's, this is a very smart dude I'm talking to who's terrified of having to say, this is 16 ounces of beef today. I only need 12, (laughs) you know, and we went through that too, where you were like, I can cut the brick in half, you know, I can cut the brick into quarters. And of course on the inside, I'm screaming, just spend $6 on a scale. (laughs) <laughs> you know, literally walk into a drugstore, buy the cheapest scale you can find, you know, $5 at Walmart, $6 on Amazon. This will change, your, you know, this will make life a lot easier. And I think the the happy ending there is you did eventually start using a kitchen scale. I did. You know, you, you won. You won. <laughs> and, you know, you it won, was Gormy. You won. It was a good thing. It was a good thing. It, it was, was a, it was a, a game changer for sure. It really it was. was. It, really it allowed was. you to start to introduce foods into your diet that weren't ground beef, eggs, butter, and nope. um, a bag of spinach. Like, that is correct. You know, and now, and now I use it absolutely every day. Right. And now you're measuring ground beef, eggs, um, and shredded lettuce. Um, <laughs> but that's an, that's an, and, Shredded chicken. chicken. You know? oh, there's a lot yeah, of other yeah. things going on there. And I don't want people out there to think that he, he was eating, a, you know, Seth also likes his hot sauce. So he had some seasoning yes. going on there. Like, there yes. was flavor. It wasn't have just, have... it wasn't just microwave ground beef eating it like alone. Like, so I, there are two things, two things jumped, jumped out at me whenever, while, while you were talking a while ago. So one, um, the, uh, the commitment that I have, um, so that that changed and and when that changed so i had this i had a heart attack scare we we thought i had a heart attack scare and like all of 2020 like i said 
I've been I've been working. I've been working hard, and I've been I've been right around below four hundred, but right around four hundred. I've been working hard. So then we had the heart attack scare, and my wife, because of COVID, couldn't stay in the hospital with me. They made her leave me in the hospital, and that was that was a big deal. Like that was kind of shattering, and uh, that was the moment. Um, I, I don't want to say it was a rock bottom moment, but it was definitely a moment where it's like, okay, um, I'm probably dying. And with karate, whenever I started karate, I, I had the attitude of, I don't think this is going to work, but I'm going to do this anyway, because if I'm going to die of a heart attack, I want it to be like not on the sofa. I want to die of a heart attack in a karate school, kicking a bag, punching a bag, wearing a glove, you know, wear like wearing the pajamas and like trying to better myself. I want to go down swinging, literally. Like I want to die trying, like fighting. And that was a big thing I saw that my dad do. My dad, you know, got diagnosed in July died in August and he was taking treatments. He was trying to get better. He, I think hindsight, looking back, I think the doctors were kind of politely trying to say, you don't need to fight this, Mr. Howard. You just need to go home and enjoy your, your last few days. And he was like, no, I'm going to fight this. And, and I took that as like, I'm not going to quit fighting. Like I might be blindly swinging and blindly kicking, but I'm going to fight. And that was the approach that I took with karate. Um, and that after that hospital stay, that was the approach that I took whenever I got like, I was like, all right, well, I'm, I've got my, my activity is locked in. I'm working out. I'm working out. It doesn't matter if it's going to work or not. I'm going to work out. I don't feel like working out. I'm going to go work out. I'm going to take my heart medication and I'm going to work out because that's what I'm going to do. And I'm probably going to die. I'm definitely going to die, but I'm going to do this anyway. You know, and then it was like, okay, well, this is how I'm going to eat. It might not work. I don't have any idea if it's going to work, but I'm going to do exactly what I'm, what I'm going to do exactly what I'm told to do. I'm going to follow these directions and I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And I'm, I'm, that's, that's just how it's going to be. If I die, I die, you know, when, whenever I go, I go. And, uh, I'm just, I'm so thankful that I, that I've been able to make the accomplishments, you know, the milestones have rolled by that I, I was, I was not expecting to, I was not expecting to make it. I was genuinely, I genuinely thought I was going to die. And I was just like, I'm going to go down swinging. I'm just not going to, I'm not going to just accept it. I'm not just going to surrender to death and wait for it. I'm, I'm going to fight and I'm, I'm going to do everything I can. And that was, that was a difference with my nutrition. That was a difference with my eating because before I would get frustrated. I would look in the mirror and that's, that's a, a thing I, uh, like I was talking about the pictures earlier. So dysmorphia, like I, I cannot tell you what it was the biggest light bulb ever. Whenever the scale told me that I had lost a hundred pounds and I looked in the mirror and I could not see it. I literally could not see that I had lost a hundred pounds. And then all the years, like, the past 20 years of my life where I've been trying to lose weight and I would look in the mirror and I would not see success. 
you know what? Success was probably there. I just couldn't see it. But, but now it's like, I don't see it, but you know what? Screw that. I'm doing it anyway. I, I don't see a difference, but I'm just, I'm. And so what happened was I discovered accidentally the power of consistency over time. It's just being consistent over a long time. And now I still go back and look at those pictures and I still, I like side-by-sides because whenever I look at myself right now today, I still feel like I look like I'm around 350 um, and I'm, I'm not, <laughs> but I still feel like that's what I look like. Uh, the clothes that I'm wearing are nothing compared to what I was wearing when I was 350. But that's what I feel like I look like. So I still have to have pictures to, to this day. I have to have pictures. I don't understand how brains work, but I tell you, it's wild. What I see in the mirror is not what everybody else sees. And that's so strange. And whenever I get on the scale, um, you know, what I, what I see on the scale is, is just not what I feel. You know, it's, it's just, it's just bizarre, but that, that those are two things that 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 popped up the 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 dysmorphia um really kind of wrecking all of my earlier progress and just how much time it takes you know i think i think you're you're looking at like six months you know you're not you're not looking at i've been consistent for i i dieted really hard this week why isn't the scale moved like that that was my that was my attention span and then after my after my heart attack scare, it was like, oh, oh, I'm not doing this for my looks anymore, you know, like I'm I'm not doing this for, I'm I'm, I'm not I, I I'm just I'm just gonna I'm doing what I can because. And that's something we've talked about a lot. Yeah, you know, like that idea that there are times where there are things that aren't fun but you're doing it for a reason. You know, there were plenty of times where we would have conversations and I would say, well, you're not doing this for the way that your pants fit. You right. Know, you're doing yeah. this because you don't want your heart to stop. Yeah. You know, yeah. And we would have those stark real conversations. And, you know, I, I, I think the body dysmorphia is something that a lot of people deal with because we, it's almost like we develop this picture of ourselves and it's how we cope when we're significantly overweight. Like you develop this image of yourself and it's how you move through the world and it's how you fit into spaces and all of those different things. And even when that changes, it's like that is something that somehow psychologically is like your neutral zone, like your comfort zone. Yeah. And yeah, it's so weird. And, and, you know, there, cause there were plenty of times. And again, I feel like we're into this part of the conversation where we could probably talk for four more hours about your, yeah. your journey as we work together, if we were to, to kind of nitty gritty into all the details, but that idea that there were times where, you know, we would jump on the phone and you would say, I'm not making any progress or I don't feel like things are moving forward. And I would say, well, as of this week, you're down 40 pounds or as of this week, you're down 80 pounds because let's also, you know, talking about time, like you're saying six months. We're coming up this May, this March will be, you know, what are we coming up on? Two years working yeah. together. And yeah. you're down over 120 pounds in our time working together, but you're down 170 pounds. Like, 
that is a significant change in those, you know, when you do share your side by sides, it's incredible. You know, that's when you have that moment of that. That's the person that I am. But I also think, you know, one of the things that, you know, you can agree or disagree with this, like, I think also it's important when you get to that place of not feeling like you're seeing change to look at the other areas where the change is completely evident, you know, in terms of how you're physically moving through the world, you know, clothes sizes, but also, you know, you've got that very real, that very real measure of performance in karate, you know, the things that like you were talking about, the things that you're capable of now versus the things that you could do on day one, you know, that is a metric that regardless of whether you feel like you're 400 pounds still or you're not, that tells you, you know, right there, stark reality. No, 400 pounds Seth could not do that. Yeah. yeah. Seth today can. Which, yeah. you know, that, it, and it's so funny because like getting ready, for, you know, for this interview, like there's, I'm like, there's so many different things that I want to make sure we talk about. But I, th- I think that idea of, of developing consistency and being able to see the, the power of consistency over time, you know, is clearly a through line to the journey that you've been on. Uh, one of the things that came up last year, you know, and I think it was early in the year that we first talked about it, it might've been at the end of the year before the end of 2021 was you had, you had decided you were ready to go for your black belt test. Yeah. And you know, that was your focus. And, you know, I could share a screenshot with the episode of your act, you know, your activity plan, you know, and people, you know, that give people a great, great look at the activity (laughs) that someone who's over 300 pounds is doing to get to this place. Like, you know, you had, you know, a severe in a positive way commitment, you know, to, to getting to that place. But it was also one of the things that rippled into other areas of your life. Like folk getting so I think laser focused on that discipline allowed you then to get laser focused in other areas and see where you needed, you know, cause one of the things too, that was there when we first started working together, you know, that you freely stated was you have problems. You have, you had a problem saying no to people. And that was something that actually, you know, last week's guest on the show talked a lot about was the power of learning to say no. and not just for self-care, but for being able to have the energy to do the things that you want to be able to do, you know, and being able to focus on that, you know, has been an amazing thing to watch over the past year. So talk a little bit about, you know, l- let's talk a little bit about the black belt. Well, um, so I, I still am very humbled and, and, and proud at the same time, uh, equal parts kind of like, um, sheepish about it and and really I you know here's the short version I've earned some self-respect um, I think it, it's clicked for me since the black belt test I, I earned my black belt this past December um, and I'll, I'll tell you what I'll, I'll talk about what the test was like in a, in a minute but let, let me just say this I the the years of trying to lose weight and trying to get healthy and failing had done so much emotional damage to me that I think I had gotten to a place where I didn't believe in myself at all. Like I just flat didn't think I was capable of doing anything. Like I can't even take care of my body. 
how can I do anything else? I think that I was just really, I, I had lost a lot of self-respect. Um, and even, even the weight loss success, it didn't register because I'm, I still have the, I still have the, the same food issues. Um, I have tools to deal with those food issues, but I still have food issues, but there was something about that test. Um, so it was, it's, I basically trained for it like a marathon. Um, we started at eight o'clock in the morning and it was, you know, do every block kick and punch that you know from the pad. I've been training for five years. So every block kick and punch in, in the system that I study at, at Shotokan and Kyoku Shin combined for, for all you karate nerds out there. Um, <laughs> so, uh, we started at eight o'clock, um, had a break at about 1130. And uh, some of the other students were doing a jujitsu portion that I was not prepared for. I had to kind of I had to kind of take a step back from jujitsu. That's my next goal. Um, but anyway, um, so I got a little bit of a break while the jujitsu portion of the test went on. And then the last part of the test starting about right around noon to three o'clock. We did sparring where I got to spar with all of the former black belts. And I don't remember how many, I don't remember how many people I sparred, but I, it was nonstop, um, nonstop hand to head combat for at least 30 minutes, maybe 45 minutes, which is a lot. <laughs> I mean, most rounds are either a minute or three minutes and it was it was a lot. Forty five minutes of of sparring is pretty brutal. Then, then we had to break boards. I had to break five boards with my hands and five boards with my feet. And then, um, do the 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 last part of the day is a hundred push ups and a hundred sit ups. And my goal going in because I know that I'm not I'm not an athlete, and I was testing with other people who were in their like eighteen, nineteen, and twenty year olds. And then there's me, 43, taking the, taking the same test, doing the same kicks, jumping the same jumps, you know, like my, my jump kicks don't look anything like theirs, you know, but I'm doing it. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm showing the technique. Um, and my goal for the push-ups and sit-ups was I didn't want to be last. I wanted to beat one of the kids and then I wanted to keep doing it with them. Like I wanted to do extra reps. That was my goal. I missed that goal. I'm 43 and the 20 year old beat me, but I was on 80 when he, when he finished. So I was only, I was only 20 reps behind the 20 year old. So <laughs> I feel like, I feel like a pretty, a pretty, uh, I feel pretty smug about that. You know, it's not like I got skunked in the push ups and the sit ups, you know, and whenever, and the other, the other techniques that we did, um, I, I held my own and I, I, I showed up and showed out and I knew I was prepared. Like I had been coming into the karate school at eight o'clock in the morning on Saturday morning, I was doing kickboxing and then I was doing my own workout. I was working out at the karate school from eight thirty till noon for, I don't know how many months. Like, I think I've got videos of my workouts going back all the way to September where I was pushing like I was taking Saturdays from eight thirty till noon back in September, getting ready for this thing in December. So I was, I was ready. And, uh, 
I, it felt like, it felt like a performance. It felt like a celebration. It felt like a marathon and it left me with such a sense of accomplishment that I, I, I've earned some self-respect that I had lost. And I, I cannot, I cannot begin to describe the transformation from feeling that sense of shame and that sense of self-worth, like worthlessness, and then accomplishing something like something as, as, as special as getting a black belt in a, in a, in a, a discipline, you know, like I, I just, it made me, it, I, I respect myself, you know, I, I know that I'm not perfect. And I know that I have, I know that I have areas of my life that, that I need to improve on, but I also know that I have the ability to improve. I have the ability to grow. And I think, I think very recently, I, I did not acknowledge that I had the ability to grow, that I had the ability. Like I was locked into that, well, I'm going to die, but I'm going to die fighting. And now, lo and behold, I haven't died. And because, and because the clock hasn't run out and I've been putting in the work, their progress has been made. It's, it's the most, it's the most amazing thing. Like I, I, I was not expecting this. I was not expecting to get a black belt. I was not expecting to lose the weight. I was just going to do, I was just going to do this. Like, this is how I'm going to live. And, uh, I don't know. I, that's the biggest, the biggest thing I've taken away to, well, I've learned a lot of lessons from karate. You mentioned cross pollinating and how, you know, how one thing helps somewhere else. I, I definitely say that the, the physical training helped me clean up my mindset and clean up my mental health and gave me some mental toughness so that when the diet got tough, I was able to say, I want to eat that, but I'm not going to. And that makes me uncomfortable. And that's okay. Like I, I, before karate, if it hurt, I didn't do it. If it made me uncomfortable, I didn't do it. And, and definitely eating. Oh my God. Like if I, if I thought I, if I thought I wanted something, I thought I had to have it. Like if I thought, man, I'd like to have fill in the blank that I just had to go get it. Like it wasn't an option. It wasn't an option to not eat. Um, that, that reminds me yeah. of a, a quote, something like you, you, like you're, you're not unless you're free to abstain from something you're ruled by it or something like that. I don't remember what the, what the, mm -hmm. the quote is, but well, I, I did a little research for, for this talk. Um, do you know what percentage of people that begin martial arts training actually get to the black belt? I have no idea. Um, so across all disciplines of, it's a, it's a general statistic for Japanese martial arts, but from the number of people that start to people that actually complete their black belt, the number is around three to 5%. Are you, are you serious? Wow. And that's, I wanted to bring that, that forward during this discussion today for you to be able to see what that means in terms of the journey that you've been on in all areas of your life.
Wow. Because I think that that statistic is probably also reflected in other changes that you've made. But, wow, you know, just there's a significance to that achievement. Wow. That, well, thank you. That's, that's, I, I had not, uh, I'd not seen it in those terms. Um, it's, it's, it's definitely been a, it's definitely been a huge thing. And, um, you know, like, like I said, I think, I think that karate helped me lay a foundation. Um, and, and then you, you gave me some tools to build on that foundation. Um, the, with working, working through you, um, cause, cause without the, you know, without, without nutrition, I wasn't going to get anywhere. Um, and so that's, but, but I, I also think that if I had had, I don't think that I could have been successful with, um, I think that if I had, if I had reached out to you in 2019 or 2020, when I first discovered you, I don't, I don't know that I would have been successful. Um, because I don't know that it was the right time. And that's, I just feel, I just feel so thankful. I just feel so thankful that the time, the, the, the clock didn't run out, you know, like, I just feel thankful. Like every day is a gift. Um, uh, and I, my, my personal mission is to make each day the, to, to use my time the best I possibly can with every single day and not waste a minute. Um, and I just, I'm just thankful. I'm just, I'm just thankful that, you know, that I haven't died and that I was able to, that I was able to lose some weight and that I was able to get a black belt. You know, I've got other goals, you know, I'm not ready to die yet, <laughs> I, but, but I just, I'm so thankful for so many things. Understood. And so let's, let's talk about some other things that are concurrent with everything that you, that you've shared so far. Like when you think now about, cause I, I think one of the things that's, that's important for people to hear, you know, is that it's not like a, you hit a point where a magic switch has flipped and every issue that you've ever had with food is just completely gone from your head and, and gone from your life. You know, I think the way you put it was, you know, you still have your challenges with food, but you've developed different ways of handling them, you know, different. And I think that, you know, you talked about being able to get stronger and progressing. And that's the thing that I've seen, I've seen you do and I've seen other people do, you know, and, and it, and it can also be one of the harder things to accept is that when we're someone that struggles with a disordered relationship with food, that it's not going to just completely go away, but we get stronger. You know, it goes, it goes back to even that whole, you know, your, the original metaphor of dealing with grief, you know, these are issues that in some ways you're going to carry with you for the rest of your life, but how you relate to them and how you handle them is what changes. And it, it means that not every day is about those issues anymore. Not every moment is about those issues anymore. And you can build a mindfulness and a consistency that allows you to move through them. And it doesn't mean that everything's easy. And it doesn't mean that every day is sunshine and rainbows. Like there can still be challenges and there still are challenges, but you're able to see development and progress. Yeah. I, I still, uh, I still struggle. I, I, I still have a binge. I, I still have a binge tendency, you know, like I, I, it's still there. Um, I feel like, um, 
I don't know. Sometimes I just feel like I'm a like I'm a bad weekend away from putting all that weight back on, <laughs> which I know we, we have talked about. That's 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 not really possible to to put that many that many calories. But uh, I still struggle. Um, I don't always enjoy the uh, I don't always enjoy the the, the food choices that I plan out to hit my macros, but I do it anyway. <laughs> you know, it's like not, I'm not, I'm not doing this for fun. You know, it's like, and, and I have had in my particular situation, like with, I, I have, now I have uh, tachycardia every so often where I've got a pacemaker. So whenever my heart rate's not doing, not doing right, it's a, it's a big deal. So, um, Whenever my weight, if, if I, if I, I had some carbs recently around Christmas and it made my weight fluctuate and then I had problems with tachycardia. So it's like, I really can't, like, I really have to check all the boxes. Like I really have to do, I really have to live right or my, I, I'm kind of in danger of, um, you know, my heart not doing right and you know, like I said, I just, I, I'm just thankful, you know, and, uh, but I'm still, I, I, I still, I, I know that the way I'm eating now, that another thing that, that I've learned from, from working with you is that it, it's the, the whole notion of find something you can stick to for the rest of your life is kind of silly because for the rest of my life, I'm going to have different needs at different times. So that, that whole like, well, how can you eat for the rest of your life? How can you sustain for the rest of your life? That's kind of, that's, that's a silly thing because what I need right now is not going to be reflected of for the rest of my life. Like what I, what I need to do right now, what my needs are today are, you know, and, and where I am in, in life right now, that's just, I, I need different things. And, um, I, I have, I have made some progress. Uh, one big thing that is different, um, with my relationship with food, um, whenever I stopped, whenever food was no longer available to process all emotions, like negative emotions, um, whenever food was off the table, now all of a sudden I have to deal with my problems. And that, that has actually been, that has actually been an incredibly, uh, incredibly healthy healing thing to, to like actually face, okay, I got to deal with this. Like, I can't just, I can't just ignore it. I can't just numb the pain by eating. So I'm going to have to actually address this issue. That's, that's bad, you know? And that has been, that's been revolutionary over the past, you know, months that, that, that we've worked together. Um, and you know, saying no to people was, was part of that, you know, over committing myself, overextending myself, not knowing what my limits are. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know how much I can commit to and still get my meals prepped and still get my workout in and still get my rest and still do, still do the things that I know I need to have to do. Um, learning to, learning to deal with, learning to deal with my problems and, and, um, I don't know. There, it's strange. It's strange. It's almost like there was a, a really weird, like immaturity that, that 
was caused by the by the food addictions you know like it's almost like i i didn't grow up like i didn't mature because i was just eating all the time which that sounds that sounds weird but truly like my relationships are so much better because i address problems now instead of just letting stuff fester and ignoring it and eating like instead of just never saying anything and just letting problems uh, pretend like nothing's wrong and then just go eat now i'll now i actually like work through stuff with people and it's there's there there, there are so many things that are so many things have been improved because i'm not just leaning on food i, I know there's that that quote that food is the most abused drug um but you know that's i mean i i went through an unfortunate amount of my life turning to food for everything and and it and it solved you know <laughs> it solved nothing right. um which i think is really important like i think you know i would love if someone and maybe someone has done this and I've just never come across it, but I would I really think that there's a you know there's some wisdom in what you were saying in terms of when our relationship with food becomes disordered at a young age, it affects our development, it affects our growth and development. You know, yet it it actually has some hormonal effects that affect physical growth and development for for people. But I in terms of emotional maturity, when the only way that you've handled things is with food. And then you take that away, you realize all of the things that you never learned, you know, all of the pieces that, and, and it's not because no one, you know, there wasn't anyone trying to teach you those things. It's because food took up such a big place in our, our lives, our heads, our bodies, that we had no room for these other, these, these other lessons. Yeah. And what does... Like, what does happy look like if I can't eat? What does sad look like if I can't eat? What does celebrate look like if I can't eat? When I go to a family gathering with people, um, how do I celebrate if I, if I don't eat? You know, we've had some really wonderful conversations where you, you've encouraged me to, you know, be intentional, make a connection with a family member and actually you know, find out, you know, talk to them about their life and, you know, make like be intentional with the relationship and, and take, you know, in the past, it would have just been food. I just want to sat in the corner. I wouldn't have talked to anybody. I wouldn't have talked to anybody, made no connections, nothing. I would have just sat in the corner and ate and then taken a nap. And uh, I am ashamed that I've missed out on connections with family members and missed out on you know, time where I could have deepened a relationship and, um, you know, it's, there, there's, there's so much that was robbed from me because I was just absolutely obsessed with food. And, and I think, and, yeah, you made an excellent point there. The one that I don't think we talk about enough when we talk about food and celebrating, because, Often, you know, there's especially like in the social media space, there's a lot of, you know, especially around the holidays, there are like influ health influencers who will say, this is a time to celebrate with food. So 
Don't worry about your diet. Celebrate with food. You know, enjoy enjoy your time with family and the food with them. Now, what I I think they're missing is that for a lot of us, celebrating with food had nothing to do with friends and family being there. It had to do with that food being there and focusing exclusively on the food. There's a there's a difference between partaking in a family tradition, you know, like a very specific, you know, food experience or a dish that an elder in the family makes or is made every holiday and partaking in that in a healthy way instead of seeing each quote unquote celebration as an opportunity to have your own private eating challenge. You know, like that's that's the thing that I think is missed when well-intentioned people try to say, don't beat yourself up over food at the holidays. It's like, well, if I don't, if, if I don't address my relationship with food during the holidays, I'm not going to, I miss out on the holidays, you know, and that's the side of it that I think gets missed. The idea, you know, when I have a conversation with someone and they say, well, you know, my family celebrates with food. And if I'm not eating that same food, I'm not partaking in that celebration. And then my, my response is, so can you take one plate of that food and be happy? And the response I usually get back is, well, that's not what it's about. You know, it's about having enough of that food till I'm ready to fall asleep. Or, you know, I have a, 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 a brother and we have a, you know, we eat this food together and, you know, we see who can eat the most of it. Like, it's not, I'm, I'm being excluded because I'm not eating. Because really, at the end of the day, you know, and I said this too, like, do you really think a family member is going to come up and say, you're not a, you're not a part of this celebration because you haven't had three pieces of cake like the rest of us. Like, that's not reality. <laughs> like, the re- you know, yes, will you have someone, you know, like I have, especially when you have older members of your family around, you know, and it's this certain thing exists at the holidays. And if you don't have a lot of it, then you're not, you know, they, they question. But usually that comes from a place of they want to make sure you feel involved. Because I think there's a, a rich human experience to sharing food and food bringing us together. But when the relationship with food is a little on the outlier side, it's a different thing. And I think that's, well, that's an important thing. I yeah. know, I know that family gatherings, church gatherings, social gatherings of any kind, whenever food was my focus, I was not talking to people and I was not making a connection with anybody, but just my belly. And, um, you know, I missed out. I missed out. And, and I've, I've made, I have, I have had some very endearing gatherings since I, since I took my focus off of food at the gathering, I've had some wonderful conversations off to the side, you know, and made like made a connection uh, with, with people that I, I, you know, would otherwise would not have, you know, otherwise I just would have just ate and, you know, and that's, that would have been it. Yeah. And that's the thing is you can come through that and, and see that there's a, there's a positive change. So what, you know, we've, we've been talking for a while and I'm sure we could do a three part episode, you know, keep talking. <laughs> what are, what are the things that you see as the challenges that you're working on right now? Well, um, I think, you know, I, there, there's part of me, I have a debate with myself about variety, 
right now. Like how much variety do I really need? Um, and uh, I'm, uh, so I'm having that debate with myself right now. Um, I, I want to find, this is going to sound weird, but like what my mandatory minimums are. Um, because particularly leading up to the, to, leading up to the black belt test, I was all in and like, I was consumed. Like I, I did absolutely nothing else. And so I want to find what the baseline is. Like, um, I've got to do, I've got to, I've got to have this much time for meal prep. I've got to have this much time for activity. Um, I've got to, you know, these, these, cause my activity, like I pretty much didn't do anything but exercise for like e exercising was my part-time job for about six months, I guess, <laughs> you know? So now I kind of want to dial that back, but I, but I also still have physical goals. Um, so I, my first, my biggest challenge nutritionally is, uh, debating with myself how much variety do i actually need moving forward um because you know you, you know the way i eat like it's it's beef or it's chicken and and on weekends it's like sausage and bacon and eggs and you know like is that okay am i okay with that do i need to have more variety what kind of variety do i really need to have like um i, I and you know i, I don't know the trying to trying to work out those those things um and then with my activity level it's like what i kind of I, i'm kind of approaching activity from a the standpoint of when i am 50 like when i'm in my 50s like when i'm 54 if i want to be able to do 100 push-ups when i'm 54 how many push-ups do i need to do now if I want to be able to run a mile or three miles or ride my bike a hundred miles when I'm 54, what do I need to do now to prepare for that? Um, like routinely on a regular basis, like what is my, what is my regular routine? Um, I want to, I want to build the perfect routine that's going to allow me to do a hundred pushups and you know, the, my, my activity goals for when I'm, when I'm in my fifties, that's kind of, that's the, the challenge that I've set out for myself. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of playing around with that because I don't want to over, I don't want to, I don't want to, I, I am he who overdoes it. Um, that's, that's been my thing. Like I, I go too far. I take everything too far. So I want to make sure that I don't take, I'm doing, I'm exercising. I am actually exercising for my health, you know? So I don't want to push it too far to where I, I start injuring myself or whatever. And I don't think I'm anywhere near that, that point, but I, like I said, I want to find my mandatory minimums. Um, and, and, and then, and then try and like plan specific, you know, if I want to take a bike trip, you know, set some goals to train for that one particular trip. And if I want to, if I want to compete in karate for one particular competition like what do i need to do to train for that competition you know what i mean instead of just like my my approach lately leading up to the belt test it was just like i i don't do anything but train um so now i'm trying to look for i'm trying to be smarter about it i guess than just 
um, all of my extra hours training. Um, but, uh, and those are really, those are really my, my, those are really my two biggest things. Um, dialing in my training some more and, uh, and, uh, you know, how much variety. Well, well, you know, I have, I have faith in your ability to, to work <laughs> through those things for sure, man. Looking at the journey that you've been on, Seth, like what, what do you think are the biggest lessons that you've learned? Um, without question, consistency over time um, is, is the biggest. Um, it takes a long time. Um, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen in a week. It's not going to happen in a month. Um, and I think having, having the goal for me, shifting the goal away from the scale and the, and the goal not being the, the, the waist size, the goal not being the, you know, the making, making the goal be, did I get my, did I hit my macros today? Did I meal prep today? Did I do the things that I need to do to get where I want to be? Like my goal is, do I drink my water? Did I do my activity? Did I hit my macros? Am I ready for tomorrow? Do I have a plan? Have I prepped? Like if, if my daily routine, I guess, is my goal. Um, so shifting the focus away from uh, that, that's really been helpful for me because I'm so impatient and I can sit down at the end of the day and say, yes, I did it. Yes. Yes. I, I hit my activity goals or no, I did not. Uh, tomorrow I'll do better. I, I hit my macros or no, or I drank my water or I did not. Like I can, I can, I can assess all of those things immediately and I can like, that's, that's where my focus is. It's on my daily routine. It's on doing the things that I need to do to get where I need to go. Uh, that's, that's the biggest, the biggest thing that I've learned consistency over time and focusing on the routine and not even, not even, not even thinking about the results. Like the results are six months in the future. You know, the results are like next year and, and who knows if I'll even live that long. So I'm just focused on doing what I got to do today. I do what I can do today and I'm happy. That's the biggest thing I've learned. Which I think those are great lessons. I think there's a big one that you forgot. Okay. Um, a, a kitchen scale is a not scary, <laughs> useful tool. <laughs> a, well, you know, I using, using a kitchen scale is, uh, is, is very beneficial. <laughs> uh, I'm, using it you, absolutely i'm gonna isolate it, that soundbite and play that back to you at some point <laughs> you you may you mm. may you you earned that one you earned that one because i was man i was belligerent about that kitchen scale mm -hmm. it's like i'm i'm just not doing it i remember I yeah remember. like people you, think people think that you're that i'm joking this is no joke it was no i i was it was i was serious it was a solid couple of months in before you got one Oh yeah, and yeah. then I was gonna. How long did it sit in the bag from the store? Oh God, it was it was in the box for at least three weeks on oh, the yeah. counter, 
Like I was walking past it, like looking mm-hmm. at it. <laughs> like we would, we would end our phone calls and I would say, did you, did you open the scale yet? And you would say, that's one of my goals for this week. Yeah. It's one of my goals for this and week. And the next week would come and you would say, I, I have looked at it, but I haven't done that yet. And I'm like, we're almost there. We're so close. Yeah. We're so close. It was, it was, that was a tough sell, man. Sell, man. I was ready. I was going to die on that square of not using that, that scale. Like I was. I was, expe- I, was, I was expecting I was you to, to find to like down. an old school butcher and you right. would start going to them and being like, I need, I need 13 ounces of ground beef and I need 14 ounces of roasted chicken. Well, sir, hey. we, we, okay. If I had had access to one, oh, if I, believe I had, it. had access to one, I would have, I oh, would I have, it. I would have paid for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. Well said, I have really enjoyed our conversation today. As you know, every episode ends with five questions I call the Fat Guy Five. Are you ready for your run through those questions? Oh, man. Absolutely. Okay. So, Seth, question number one, living or dead, who is your favorite fat guy? Uh, Dom DeLuise. Mm. Dom DeLuise. I love him. I love, just his style, his, his comic timing and his, uh, his style of humor. I just, I, I loved him. I knew you, being a theater person, I knew you would have a good one. <laughs> and he is he is definitely he vies for number one in my book too so i i appreciate yeah, that yeah he's one of my he's one of my favorites one of my oh, favorites sure. and if anyone out there man or women have never seen the 1970s film fatso starring Dom <laughs> DeLuise, watch the movie because it will yeah. make you laugh it will make you cry and it will yeah. make you question a lot of things that you do in your life um but I'll, I'll always show that plug out there. I don't even know where you can watch it now because, you know, video stores don't exist, but go find it. Question number two, man. What is something about yourself that you love? Um, my, so may, we had a, a special guest, the, the founder of my karate system, um, who, who trained my karate teacher came to my, to my belt test and uh, he names students, and he named me determination, and uh, that really that really resonated um, with my students. Uh, one of the things that I that I really push that I that I want to cultivate in them is resilience. You know, um, you you do it if it's you don't feel like doing it, you do it anyway. It's not convenient. You do it anyway. The circumstances aren't right. You do it anyway. And determination, I think, is uh, I think that's that's the quality about myself that I feel the most um, that I that I cherish the most in myself. Like I know that I will do what I have to do, even if it's not like I'm. I, I know that I have. I know that I'm determined. I know I'm going to do what I got to do. One hundred percent, man. Question number three, what has been the most important new habit that you've built? <laughs> that, uh, that kitchen scale? Mm. <laughs> I, I appreciate a throwback. <laughs> Even if it's the three or four minutes ago, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, that kitchen scale. <laughs> well, you've already talked about consistency, so you can't talk about that again. So I, I yeah, appreciate yeah. it. Let's, let's bring the kitchen scale back. Yeah, kitchen scale. There we go. It's on record. Question number four. Seth, what is one goal you have for the next year that is not health, fitness, or weight loss related? I uh, I want to learn to play solos on guitar. I've been a, I've been a steady 
I've been a rhythm guitar guy for years and years. And I've been like, I just, I don't play solos. And now I've decided I'm going to take that, that black belt discipline and I'm going to apply it to my music and I'm going to, I'm going to play solos. I like it. That's awesome, man. And question number five, Seth, if you could go back in time and talk to yourself on day one of, of, of really getting started on, on this journey of yours, what would you tell yourself? Uh, consistency over time. Uh, and, and I would have a conversation about dysmorphia because I think, I think that dysmorphia wrecked my progress like starting 20 years ago. I think dysmorphia is responsible for my losing patience. I looked in the mirror for results that I, that I'm never going to see. I'm never going to see results in the mirror. And that's where I was looking. And so I, I shut down and, and it was going to take, it takes longer than a month or, or six weeks. It takes months. So consistency over time is what I would tell myself, you know, I like just, it, man. So Seth, if people listening do want to connect with you, where can they find you? Um, I'm on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I'm, uh, I don't, I, you, you'll have to put my Instagram in the, in the notes. I don't remember what my name is. It I'll is. put it in the notes. I'll put it in the notes. <laughs> and it's set to private. So it they'll, is. Have to, I, I, they'll have to like message me or something. So. You'll have to keep an eye on your general messages. Yeah. Yeah. If, if anybody sends me a, a, a message, I'll, 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 I'll check it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, there that's so that's that's a positive shining light from you there towards the end. There we go. <laughs> I like it. Well, Seth, a huge thank you again for, you know, coming on the show and sharing everything. Um It has been an honor. It's been an honor, man. I this is you know, I never believed that I would have a story worth sharing whenever I was listening to you back in 2019 2020 and i would get mad and turn you off you know this is this is a I'm, I'm deeply deeply honored to be to be a part of your of your show well man it, it was my honor to have you on the show and not only to have you on the show but to have you on for the 200th episode uh i Woo. i you know i think that that is awesome and we're not done talking everyone seth and i after this are going to jump on over to the patreon after show so if you are not subscribed he is going to be, I think, episode 15 of the after show. So there's 15 episodes that'll be sitting there waiting for you if, if you join up. As soon as you join, you get access to them. So don't miss that because earlier in this episode, Seth mentioned he had a family story. And I'm going to remind him of that and make him ah. tell it in the after show. <laughs> uh, I was hoping he wouldn't get to it so we'd have a nugget, you know, for the after yeah. show. So oh, it's good, too. We're it's going to good. talk about that. And, you know, so everyone, you know. Seth, again, you know, I really appreciate your time. And everyone, I appreciate you listening and being a part of this journey that I have been on since episode one. And I already said, I already got sappy at the beginning of the episode, so I won't do it again. But just remember, connect with Seth. His his information will be in the show notes. Connect with me on Instagram at Gourmet Ghost Keto, on Twitter at Gourmet Ghost Keto. Email the show at thefatguyforum at gmail.com. And if you are interested... And you go to theketoroad.com and go to my coaching page and you are interested in finding out about working with me for coaching. This is something new that we're just setting up. 
you can schedule a free consultation call. So you you click the button, takes you to a calendar, and we set up a time to talk. You know, and even if you just want to talk about where your health goals are or what you're working on right now and you want to ask some questions and you know and it may not even lead to us working together, take advantage of that opportunity. That'll be at the keterode.com slash I think it's keterode.com slash coach dash mike. But if not, just click on my picture on the front page. Anyway, everyone, thank you again so much for being a part of the listening audience. Now that this episode's over, go on out, do something to amaze yourselves today because you're the most amazing people I know. Then catch us on the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum. Thank you.